I really love uh, missing persons or unsolved mysteries, but sometimes they are so dang frustrating. Yeah, my two cents would be spycraft gone wrong. I don't understand why. Like, why do you need to get rid of the tag of your clothing? That's right. James Bond doesn't. On this episode of The Brothers Grimm, Brian discusses the story of the Isdal woman, a half-century-old mystery involving suspense, murder, and even possible Cold War espionage. So contrary to popular belief, the Death Valley doesn't only exist in the state of California, it also exists in Bergen, Norway. Bergen has its own version, but a much more sinister nature than the one we're familiar with. The remote and icy location of Isdalen Valley is known by locals as Death Valley. This is primarily due to the fact that the valley was the site of many suicides during the Middle Ages. On November 29, 1970, Norwegian's own Death Valley lived up to its nickname when a man and his two young daughters discovered the dead body of a burnt woman, with no evidence of a fuel canister in sight. The discovery would lead to a half-century-old mystery regarding her true identity with what feels like a million trails that have gone cold. No pun intended. Much about the discovery of the body was very unusual. The woman was found lying with one arm across her chest and the other outstretched in the air, surrounded by carefully placed items including a broken umbrella, remnants of rubber boots, several plastic bottles, and a watch and jewelry. Although it was apparent, the woman had been wearing many items of clothing, all the tags and evidence of the manufacturers had been cut out. The objects surrounding her also had the labels removed and the brand names were scratched off. You said the woman was burned. Were the, was the clothing burned? She was like halfway burned. I wouldn't say she was fully burned, but there were still clothing on her and then there were items neatly placed around her. Hmm. Police found nothing at the scene that could provide any indication of this woman or who this woman was. Without an identity, she came to be known as the Isdal woman. An autopsy later found 50 to 70 sleeping pills in her stomach, but they weren't mostly absorbed into her bloodstream, eliminating it as the cause of her death. Soot particles in her airways indicated that she was alive while her body was being burned, and carbon monoxide poisoning was ultimately determined to be the official cause of death. There was unexplained bruising on the side of her neck as well that could have been caused by a fall or some sort of blow to her neck. So was her neck broken or was it just bruised? No, there was just a bruise on her neck as if like somebody had punched her or she had fallen on a rock or, you know, there's just some sort of impact that happened to her neck. So she died from the smoke inhalation. Yes, that was the official cause of death. Clues to who and why the Isdal woman had died began to appear just three days after her body was found. At the Bergen railway station, two suitcases with previously booked tags were found containing Norwegian roadmaps a steel spoon, a sewing kit from Geneva, a shoe shop bag from Rome, and a variety of wigs. Many different denominations of money. There were also prescription glasses, eczema cream, and various other items. Everything in the suitcase had all the indications of the brand names and labels removed or scratched off, just like the clothing found on the woman. You know, this this sounds vaguely familiar to a story that it was on Netflix's new uh, Unsolved Mysteries series. It was about a woman that disappeared from a hotel. Mm-hmm. And when they looked at her closet, all the tags for all of her clothes were removed. And it, they, it, one working theory was that she was an international spy. Interesting. Yeah, that, that seems to be a common theme 
with you know spy activity or something or suspicion of spying but i don't understand why like why do you need to get rid of the tag of your clothing that's right james bond doesn't yeah we know exactly what kind of car he drives <laughs> aston martin always a fingerprint was found on the glasses that definitively linked the burned body found in the woods a few days earlier to these suitcases and their contents also found in the suitcases was a notepad with a mysterious sequence of letters numbers scrambled on the first page Although the authorities were not immediately able to decipher the cryptic notes, they eventually decoded the numbers and letters to reveal an itinerary of the woman's travels throughout Europe. For example, 022 space 028P was shorthand for the 22nd through the 28th of October in Paris. The Isdal woman had stayed in several different hotels from Paris all the way to Bergen under different aliases. This trail led the authorities to her last known location, which was a taxi, on the 23rd of November, 1970, just six days before her body would be discovered in the woods. However, there was one last code the authorities were never able to decipher. ML23NMM. Gotta give it to authorities. I mean, that's some talent. It is. To be able to decode somebody's shorthand yep. scribbles. Yep. It sounded like they had a team of people trying to figure out what all this meant. So what were they using to determine this? Like, how do they know that those, that sequence of numbers or letters determined a date or a place? I think there was multiple of those kind of codes on a piece of paper. Hmm. And so they were finally able to kind of piece together, okay, that made sense Hmm. of why, um, of what these were. I think they also found evidence of her being at different hotels. So they kind of pieced some of that together basically corresponded with the right with the numbers themselves mm-hmm. interesting there were numerous witnesses of the isdal woman's mysterious behavior in the days leading up to her death at the neptune hotel on october 30th a maid entered her room and noticed an upturned table blocking the hallway on another occasion she was seen meeting with a gray-haired man in neptune's hotel bar but they were not engaging in conversation and only talking to the staff in german she eventually slipped a piece of paper to the man and just watched him read it. She would switch between several hotels throughout her time in Bergen, and on her last registration form, she purposely changed her normal handwriting to a much messier, clunkier scribble. Hotel staff noticed an armchair would be moved out into the hallway of her room while the room was being occupied and then returned to the room when she would leave. Even with all these unusual behaviors, the authorities were reluctant to classify her as a murder victim and would stand by the circumstances surrounding her death being an accidental or suicide. I kind of feel like accidental death is like a cop-out for I have no idea what killed this person. Yep, I would completely agree. I mean, if you're going to go with accidental, just go ahead and rule it a suicide. Yep, I would agree. I mean, or, or just say it's, it's a murder that was unsolved. Like, to say it was accidental, I mean, come on, something killed her, mm-hmm. obviously. She was lit on fire. Yep. So, <laughs> and, and there's no accelerant around. Right. She yeah. either did it to herself or somebody did it to her. It's not like she, like, dropped a candle and was like, oops. Yep. Mm-hmm. Especially for your body to be burned that bad, a candle is not going to just right. take over your entire body. Right. What do you think she was doing in the woods, just, like, lighting matches and looking at them until they burned? Right. On February 5th, 1971, authorities shelved the case and 18 members of the Bergen Police Department attended a funeral for the Isdal woman. She was buried in a white zinc coffin to preserve her body if any relatives came forward. However, no one ever did. I didn't know that 
you can put somebody in a white zinc coffin and it preserves their body. I now have a special request for when I pass away. Right. Well, the metal wouldn't degrade, so that yeah. makes sense. Interesting, yeah. It's probably really expensive now. Mm-hmm. Even back then, it had to have been expensive. In 2017, a BBC article created a newfound interest in the case, and the BBC and NRK, a Norwegian news outlet, joined together and launched an investigation using modern science and techniques. Looking back, the hotel logs show the Isdal woman being 25 to 30 years of age, but tissue samples and dental analysis suggest she was closer to 45. The BBC and NRK were given access to a file dated December 22, 1970, that was classified as secret. The Isdal woman was involved in a meeting about an experimental Penguin missile, which was the first NATO anti-ship missile with an IR seeker. Still to this day, no one really knows who or how the Norwegian-famed Isdal woman died. I mean, I guess my first thought is spy, right? Right. But any any person trying to get rid of another, any spy or any organization trying to get rid of a one of their spies or maybe a, a, a uh, an enemy spy would probably dispose of the body better. You would think. I mean, she... It seemed like she was left and placed in a specific way. Right. So, you know, if it was an enemy spy, then maybe they were trying to expose the person mm-hmm. and, th- and hoping that the trail would lead back to who she was. Right. Or it was their own organization who just did a terrible job. Yeah. Of course, that's, a, that's assuming that she's a spy that was murdered. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely one of the theories. Many people still believe suicide is the cause of death, even after the authorities determined the cause of death was a carbon monoxide poisoning and there was no fuel accelerant around. I I can't get on the suicide train. Yeah, it's hard. It doesn't feel like suicide, mostly because uh, of, like I said before, if you're going to light yourself on fire, uh, there are, are better ways to do it. Yeah, oh, for sure. But, but if there is no accelerants, then what caused the fire? We don't know. Or. And that's what's weird is like you would think when they did an autopsy of her body, granted this was 1970, but that there would be some sort of evidence of some sort of accelerant. Like right. there had to have been something. Or was she burned somewhere else and then placed there? Mm-hmm. That's the other option. Yeah, I mean the the first question I would have is, um, I mean, was the ground around her burned? Because if she was burned there, there would be environmental impact at the location that she burned. I'd like to believe that it wasn't because of the items that were placed neatly around her. So if if the fire was there, I feel like they would also... Now, this isn't clear, but if they were actually burned or not, but you would lean to believe that they should have been if the fire was there. Yeah, that would make sense. The objects that were scattered neatly would be burned as well at least a little bit Mm -hmm. now i didn't dive super deep into the the police reports autopsy reports of this story um sounds like even if you did there's not much there wouldn't be much to yeah go on and i guess there's no indication on what those secret top secret files were no the only the only thing i could find is that it was just labeled secret Uh, it wasn't top secret but secret Um, and it just stated that she was involved in a meeting about this missile, about this penguin missile. Mm. And that came from a fisherman who oversaw this meeting happening. 
So he, he had a report about it. And then when he saw her face on the news, that's when he came forward about the information. Several pieces of evidence point to intelligence services. All the clothes and the different outfits, the wigs, the eight fake passports, her appearances at uh, military exercise sites lead some to believe that she might have been a spy. Um, then there, are, there is a uh, Russian spy. He says that she is not thought to be a Russian spy, even though Norway was right at the footsteps of Russia and would have wanted the potential NATO intel. However, she is thought to have been maybe a courier or a messenger due to the amount of travel she incurred. So, I mean, traveling all over Europe, mm-hmm. you know, is is unusual, I'd say, for a spy. Mm. They try and just infiltrate one area, one group. And to also document your travels. Yeah. like Why would you do that? Yeah. So it's like it was documented enough that it was cryptic, but then it was also overly documented for somebody who doesn't want to be tracked or followed. Right. I mean, it's impressive for the authorities to track her up to being in this taxi. Mm-hmm. My brain is struggling over here because... This case is eerily similar. So I, when I, I think I said earlier about a Netflix uh, Unsolved Mysteries episode where she was missing, she, the woman was actually shot and killed, but it was in Oslo, Norway. Um, and she wasn't burned or anything, so those details are different. But the working theory was that she was involved in spycraft that had gone wrong. Yeah. And so my brain is having a tough time not connecting the two. Well, it's interesting that you bring up a movie that you saw on Netflix because there's actually another movie that has a very eerie parallel to this story. That is, and this movie is based off a true story. So when I was researching the story, what picked my curiosity was when I came across a film called Two Lives. It's a German war drama written and directed by George Moss and stars Julian Kohler. The movie is set in Norway and Germany, and it is loosely based off an unpublished novel by Hannelore Hippie. The movie is a mix of truth and fiction about Katrin Evensen Madral, a woman who fled from East Germany to Norway to be reunited with her birth mother. So this, like, she fled to this same city, Bergen, Norway. The movie explores cases of Levensborn or war children. These were children that were taken away from their German soldier fathers and Norwegian mothers and either orphaned or adopted by German families. Some of these children were recruited by Stasi as agents to flee East Germany to Norway to serve as spies. The movie was inspired by a news report in the late 1980s, so 10 years after the Isdal woman was found, of the discovery of a half-burned body of a young woman near Bergen. There was suspicion of her identity and believed that she may have been a Stasi spy. So now, in 10 years, you have two women that were burned out in the woods, out on trails somewhere. And the 1980s one peaked a, peaked a movie, but the, the original one, you know, it's just an interesting parallel of similar stories. Eerily similar. Yeah. Like almost the same details. Mm-hmm. Yep. I found this movie. It's on uh, Amazon, so you can, you can watch it on Amazon for free. Clearly, they have a problem with disposing of spies right. in Norway. Mm-hmm. It's funny because when we did the Bobby Dunbar episode last season, uh, I had a same feeling 
about a whole different story that had a lot of similarities. Yep. That's so, crazy. Yep. But regardless, whoever this woman was, she paid very careful attention to removing all the evidence of her identity, so much so that to this day, no one has ever come forward looking for her. I really love uh, missing persons or unsolved mysteries, but sometimes they are so dang frustrating because you have all of this information, all of these facts, and the authorities cracked cryptic messages that tracked her all across Europe, these different hotels, and all of a sudden, it goes cold. But yet we have the dead body in a specific place with very specific details, and we just can't seem to find that middle piece or even like that end piece that connects the dead body with their last known whereabouts, yep. with the last bit of information. And it's like, if we had that one more thing, mm-hmm. it'd be solved. And, yep. and, and here's the other thing that really bothers me about cases like this. Clearly her face is recognizable, right? It, it, it's not like the whole face was burned. Right. People, people recognized her from the town and then recognized her in the pictures. But how can this person have no family? How can this person have no... No family to look at that on the TV and go, oh, that's my daughter. Or, oh, that, that was my wife. She right. left me 10 years ago. Which, to me, makes it makes the idea of being a Stasi agent, you know, she was taken away, or being like a war child, she was taken away from her original family, mm-hmm. given to another family. Maybe that family no longer exists, or maybe she ran away, something, you know. And so it could lead to, they just don't recognize her. I don't know. That is bizarre. So there are no real good like pictures of what she looks like. There are just some good sketches of kind of what she looks like. I love I love modern technology because they can take uh, police sketches of people's faces and create modern versions of them. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and they look so realistic. And you're yeah. like, yeah, I could definitely see how that person who mm-hmm. that person is. But even they open they re kind of reopen the case in 2017, and still even then they can't. Nobody's come forward. Nobody recognizes her. You know, they don't have any further information of who she was or. I mean, this was 50 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. So you would think by now anything top secret, they could probably share. Right. You would think some information about it if we know who it is. Yep. Maybe not. Maybe that's just. uh, This is the area she was found in, too, though. It's like it's super... That's pretty remote. Yeah, like it's not super easy to find. Here's some of the items, like the watch and stuff. So it looks like some things where she was, they were burned. The umbrella and stuff. That's so weird. We'll post these photos on the post for y'all to take a look at. Like even those suitcases look like some sort of somebody who's in the intelligence. Look like this guy lifted out of a spy movie. Well, that, uh, you know... Like I said, I really just I have a hard time with with unsolved, uh, m- you know, murders because you have all this information and you're no cl- you're nowhere closer to knowing what really happened. And I think that just deep down bothers me. Not it's not it's not the not having an answer, it's the being so close to an answer, but then never getting it. Yeah, for sure. It's one thing to like believe in something and and n- have zero facts. But it just seems to be so disappointing to have all of this stuff. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. I could go on about that. Yeah, my two cents would be spycraft gone wrong. Um, 
too much circumstantial evidence leaning towards that. Especially with the items that she left and everything around her and previous activities. Just seems to be uh, the most logical answer. But still maddening not to know what or who or when or why. This episode was written by Brian McIntyre with discussion from Jeremy Thompson and Joey Thompson and was recorded at Starscream Studio. Grayson over at Starscream is an incredible producer and engineer, so be sure to visit starscreamstudio.com for all your tracking and recording needs. Additional audio support by Will Compton and original music composed by Nick McClure. Be sure to subscribe and when you do, drop a line in the comments and say hi. We want to hear your grim stories too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode.